what kind of love does the Father show to us? If you have your Bible, should have already turned to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word as we turn from a video which speaks about God's love to a section of Scripture which speaks about God's love. And in this scripture, it starts out by saying, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Let's stop and pray. Father, we thank you for these verses that you have given us to look at today, to preach and to examine and to see what they hold for us here today. We know that this is Father's Day. We want to honor our fathers. But also we want to challenge ourselves or challenge us as fathers and also challenge each and every person here that we are to love as God has loved us. And so there's some things that we can learn from this scripture and other portions of the Bible. And we pray that you would reveal those things to us today and that it would help change us more into the image of Christ so that we might be little Christ who would go throughout the world changing things for the better. In the, in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What kind of love has God loved us with? That's one of the questions we're going to try to answer here today. You should have a handout in your bulletin. So there's three little questions on there or statements on there that you can fill out to kind of give you a place to write down some notes. And maybe if you write down these little words that are missing, then you will remember it a little bit better. But the scripture is very clear. I, li I like when we start out with the scripture and it's very clear as to what we're, we're going to do. And the very first word of this was the word see. And that word see is a commandment, isn't it? I know sometimes we don't think about that. We open up our Bible and there's commandments throughout the whole Bible. And maybe we just kind of stop there and don't really consider them as commandments that we are to obey, but really this is a commandment that we are to obey. And we need to see what kind of love the Father has for us. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing in this first part. We're going to be looking at the scripture and seeing how God has loved us in particular because God has a different meaning according to who you talk to, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes our world and by the world, I mean people out there who are not necessarily a part of the church, that, but they might define love quite a bit differently than what we would define it. And so we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But we need to do this. We need to see, and I put some other words in here. In other words, we need to observe, we need to investigate, we need to understand and we need to experience what kind of love the Father has for us if we are to love others in return in the same way. And so obviously when we love, there's going to be objects of our love, and that's the things that we actually love or the persons that we actually love. And this is where we can see so much variety 
in the definition of what love means because you can have love for a thing, can't you? You can have love for a truck. You can have love for a computer or a phone. You can even lust after those things if you don't have them. And so there, it's possible that the object of our love could be a thing. It could be a pet. I know people who have pets and they are very much uh, very loving of their pet and caring of their pet. They probably spend money on veterinarian bills that I would never spend. But they love, they love their pets. You can love, have love for a friend or you can have love for your family, obviously. But you can love a friend, you can love members of your family. And that, and that is slightly a different type of love, right? You can have love for a wife, the kind of love that Jesus has for his bride, the church. And then finally, you can have love for a child, the kind of love God has for his children. So the object of our love can be various things, persons, uh, maybe, maybe even different activities. But then there are also different kinds of love. And I make a little bit of a distinction here in the modern concept of love with the biblical concept of what love is. So a modern concept of love might be by filling in the statement, I love you because you are beautiful. That's the type of love that people in the world might have. They love because of, because of the beauty of the person they're speaking of. They're attracted to them and they call that love. I love you because you complete me or you fulfill me. I love you because you make me happy. This is a deserving type of love. And what that just means is that you love someone because they fulfill some kind of need in your life. It's really kind of a selfish type of love as well. This is the kind of love that our modern world asks us to join in with. But we know that the Bible speaks of greater love. It, really, it speaks of two different other types of love based upon some Greek words. So the Greek word phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, you don't have to write that down or anything, but I want you to recognize that it comes from uh, the word phileo, which the city of Philadelphia comes from that, the city of brotherly love. And that's exactly what phileo means, is it's a love between brothers or family. Then there is a supernatural love. And most of you have probably heard of this word, maybe even from me before, but it's a word, a Greek word, agape, A-G-A-P-E. So the Greek language, if you haven't already figured it out, is very, um, what am I trying to say? It's very specific. It has a lot of different words, uh, maybe for the same English words that give differences in nuances. But agape love is, of course, a supernatural type of love that comes from God. It is a sacrificial love. It's an unconditional love. It's a beneficial love. And I say beneficial in the sense that your goal is that if you love someone with agape love is for their benefit, not for your benefit. It's for their benefit, not yours. But a sacrificial type of love which we have seen, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ, right? 
Jesus Christ had a sacrificial agape type of love for us. And the cost of his love was his very own life. Tell me, what is more, what is more uh, valuable in the universe than the Son of God? Nothing, right? Nothing is more valuable. But Jesus was willing to sacrifice that for us on our behalf. And so we need to know that God has given us this unconditional love through Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, we all know that, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the sacrificial love that frankly is hard for us to comprehend, I think. Unless you have lost a child, and there, I know there probably are people here who have lost a child, but there's probably not anyone here who has willingly given up their child for people who are in rebellion against you. And that's exa exactly what Jesus and God the Father did. They sacrificed Jesus on an altar, which was a cross, so that people could have salvation through Jesus Christ. And so at one time, let me make this very clear, we were at one time alienated from God. That means we were his enemies. That's all of us in here, right? At one time we were enemies of God. Maybe there are still some here who still are enemies of God. I pray that that is not true. But we were at one time aliens from God and we were not his children. But Ephesians chapter two says that we were children of wrath. Jesus called the, the hypocrites, the Pharisees who confronted him in, in John chapter nine, he called them children of Satan, that their father was Satan. This is what is true of all people before they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I know it's, I know it's kind of uh, normal to say that everyone is a child of God and in one sense, if you read our statement of faith, it says that God is fatherly to all people. In other words, he acts fatherly to all people, but he is a father indeed to those who have been saved through Jesus Christ. And so we do become children of God, right? When we accept Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior, we actually become children of God. He has shown his love for us in that sacrificially he has given his son so that we might become children of God. This is his unconditional love. This is his unconditional grace toward us. So we all know what grace means, right? Grace means unmerited favor. In other words, God gives us something good even though we deserve just the opposite. This is the way that God has chosen to love us through his son. He sent his only son on a mission trip. He sent his only son on a mission trip and he said, I have given you a people for your own possession. You are to leave heaven, you are to go to the earth and redeem those people for yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The word of God says in Romans 5, 8, that God not only says he loves us, but he demonstrated it. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen?
He didn't wait till we got cleaned up in order to save us. You don't have to get cleaned up to be saved. You just need to come to Jesus, take advantage of his grace, choose him as your Lord and Savior, and you can be saved. But I love the fact that God didn't stop with just telling us in his word that he loves us, but he demonstrated it to us. And he did that by giving his most valued possession, which was his son. And his son died on a cross for our sins. This was not just a death, but it was a death that paid the price for our sin. If you think about Jesus hanging on that cross, and there came a time where God turned his back on his son because he could not look upon the sin that Jesus had taken on our behalf. And he did that because of our sin so that he could give us his love and his grace. And in that, I don't know how long it was that he turned his back on the son. But someone once wrote that during that time, time God poured out the wrath of a million burning sons on his innocent son, Jesus, so that we might be called the children of God. Do you see how much God loves us? Beginning to see how much God loves us? I know most of you know this and have heard this before. But he loved us so much that he was willing to punish his very own son for our sake. So that we can be called the children of God. And we do that by being born again. Heard that term before, being born again? Yeah. I heard, a, I saw, I think it was a, either on Facebook or a bulletin board, but someone had written up there, uh, they were, uh, they were condoning their sin by saying, this is just the way I was born. And the rest of the statement was, this is why Jesus said, you must be born again, right? You must be born again. The first birth was being born into mankind, which is uh, a creature who has fallen from good favor with God. And it's only through being born again that we can have eternal life. And so the scripture says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The Jews initially did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of the man, but of God. They were born how? of God, right? Being born again is being born of God, not born of the blood. In other words, it doesn't come through humankind or through a woman, through normal childbirth. It doesn't come through any will that we can muster up in our own flesh, but it comes through God. We are born of God. And then a verse very similar, in fact, it's the same verse that we had in Sunday school speaking about some of these same issues that we can become children of God by being born again, but also through adoption into his family. So, and Danny did a good job of explaining this, but I'll read it again for those of you who couldn't be at Sunday school. It says from Romans chapter eight, for we all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. 
for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children then, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so becoming a Christian, the Bible uses various terms to describe what this is like, and each one has a different uh, little bit of a connotation, a little bit of difference. In John chapter 1, it says, talks about being born again. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about being adopted into this family. One of the things that Don pointed out in Sunday school is that when you're adopted, it's by choice. And God did make that choice that we would be adopted into his family. And then listen to this, these verses as well in Ephesians. It says, in him we have redemption. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He has given us great gifts, has he not? He has given us great gifts. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has given the gift of his word, the Bible. He has given us the gift of a family, which is the church. He has given us a gift, which is eternal life. He has given us a gift, which is what? You name some, what else? What else has he given us? Peace. Peace, talked about that in Sunday school as well. Health. What'd you say? Good health. Good health, yeah, good health. Security. Security, yeah, assurance of our salvation. Nature. What did you say, Kim? I'm sorry. Nature. Nature, yeah. So many things, right? Our, our whole creation he has given to us. And so he has loved us greatly. And because of that, we ourselves should follow his sacrificial example and love and serve others sacrificially. Thirdly, we need to understand and acknowledge God's loving purpose for us. Did you know God has a purpose for you? He has a purpose for you. I can tell you what some of your purpose is. You exist so that you might image forth the glory of God to other people. In other words, we are little representatives of Christ that look like Christ, hopefully, and the world, the unsaved world, gets a picture of what, that, of what Christ looks, at, looks like from us. And so we need to understand and acknowledge God's loving purpose for us and all of that purpose. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we are to love God, and we are to love others. One way we can love others is to be with our church family, amen? Be with our church family is a way to love our church family. We use each other to help in this sanctification process that Danny was talking about in Sunday school. We are to therefore encourage one another and build one another up in the faith just as you are doing. I really think church should be so much more than just gathering together like this
to where everyone's facing the front and I'm facing the back and there's very little interaction. I'm not saying that preaching is not required. I'm just saying this is not enough. This is not enough. We must be in small groups. We must be in Bible study groups where we can sit across the table face to face and talk about what is going on in our life and how we can be on this path to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so I, I encourage you to get into some kind of Bible study, whether it's our Wednesday night Bible study or a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study. You're gonna have that opportunity here in a minute when I pass out a Bible study to the men in our group here today. But we must be at work encouraging one another in the faith. Ephesians 4.15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So we are to become more like Christ. How are you doing on that journey? I'm not gonna ask anyone to raise their hand, but are you, are you doing okay with that? Are you struggling with that? I struggle. <laughs> Can I be honest? I struggle with that. That's why I need my Wednesday night Bible study group. That's why I need other accountability groups. And we, I believe that we all need that. I don't think I'm the only one who struggles from time to time in being like Jesus Christ. That's a tall order to accomplish, right? And we, yes, we work it on, on it the rest of our lives, but I want to not wait to the end of my life where I can no longer do the things I want to be able to do. I want to start now so that I can be ready to always do those things to help people know Christ. We are to be like our brother Jesus and we're to help each other to do that. We are, according to our verse number three today, we are to purify ourselves from what keeps us from being like Jesus. There are things that Satan continually puts in our way to get our attention off of our goal of being like Jesus. They could be material things, which essentially become false gods. So our phones, our TVs, our cars, our hobbies can become gods. They don't have to, right? We can have hobbies, we can enjoy those things. But they can become such that they take over our life and they are no longer just material things, but they have become false gods. We are to purify ourselves from whatever keeps us from being like Jesus. That means material things. It could mean our, our words, our attitudes. So what kind of love has God loved us with? It's a selfless love, right? He has selflessly given us his son that we might have eternal life. And that invitation is open to you today to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you have been saved, the open invitation to you today is for baptism and membership in this church. But his love is selfless. It is unconditional. God's love for us is extravagant. It is lavish as it's spoken of in Ephesians chapter one. 
He holds nothing back, but gives us all this, all the time, always for our good. God is always working for our good. We quote this verse over and over again. I wonder if we really know it's true, but it's Romans 8:28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And even now, according to John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing a place for us, an extravagant place. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is going to great expense to prepare a place for us in heaven so that we might be with him. What extravagant love, love he has given us and we are commanded to love in the same way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the challenge that we've received from your word, even though it's a daunting challenge. If we are to look at this and think about doing it in our own strength, we know that we will fail. We've tried doing that before. But if we realize that the Spirit is dwelling within us and that He has promised to empower us, then there is hope for us. There is hope for us to be a people, a church, a state, a nation who instead of being at war with each other, we might love each other, sacrificially giving up our own way for the benefit of the other, but not at the benefit of truth. And so we ask that you would guide and direct us. And during our invitation time, I pray that people would respond as the Holy Spirit is leading you. May your will be done today. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.